But um, back to what we're doing tonight on the show. Um, we're not going to be talking rugby this evening, but we've got to be in our Olympic feature. We've been building up to the Olympics now for the past three months, and we've managed to keep it going every Thursday whenever we can. There's an interesting story. That's got a lot of attention. That's after uh, the New Zealand Olympic um, Olympic Committee and named um, Laurel Hubbard, the weightlifter in their team to take part at the Tokyo Olympic Games uh, next month. Now, um, Laurel Hubbard is the first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics. She will become the first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics. And as you'd expect, there is a huge outcry from certain quarters, especially because Laurel has competed in men's weightlifting before um, before she converted. So uh, Professor Ross Tucker will talk to us about this sensitive topic that poses really serious questions. And then we'll... we'll um, Find out more about the story of Laurel Hubert and how she is being allowed to go take part in the Olympics. It's not against the rules. That's why she's going there. And then after we discuss that matter, we will look ahead to the Proteus T20 series against the West Indies. It starts on Saturday night in Granada as they look to build on the momentum from the Test Series win. And Aslam Kota, SABC Sport um, cricket commentator and analyst, will chat to us. Maybe give us also his thoughts on the new structure of cricket South Africa and uh, the new chairperson that was elected, Mr. Lawson Naidu, also. That one has been well received. I've seen some of the reaction. And then later on on the show, then we're going to build up to the big one on Saturday. It is Kaiser Chiefs against Widat Casablanca in Jobek. It will be live on SABC Sport. 6 p.m. That game kicks off on most of the SABC Sport channels. Um, it will be live there, whether it's the 24-hour channel or it's uh, the terrestrial channel, other SABC 1 or 3. It will definitely be live this game. Amakosi holding that crucial one lead from the first leg away in Morocco, despite only having 20 20% possession. So how will they come out on Saturday? How should they come out on Saturday? Maybe as a Chiefs supporters, you can tell us how should Chiefs come out on Saturday? Do they stick to what worked for them in Morocco where they kept Widat from scoring and got that all-important goal or should they be more um, expensive or, or be more adventurous this time around since they're playing at home? Because one thing is certain that Widat Casablanca will come all out at them on Saturday at the FNB Stadium. So maybe you can send us your voice notes to 61 107. That's 061-4104-107. Okay, I'm just fixing my, my volume. I'm, I'm told I'm a bit low. I am coming to you from Kebeja. Now I have to say it. I'm coming to you from Kebeja. Uh, so, and Riff Rosler, by the way, is from Kebeja. So he's going to speak to us, the Kaiser Chiefs utility player. Um, one of the most reliable and consistent players in the league is Riff Rosler. So we're going to speak to him later on. But do join our conversations on any of our topics that you want to weigh in. Uh, please send us your voice notes to 061-4104-107. You can call us directly on 011-714-2006. We're going to start by speaking to uh, Professor Ross Tucker. I believe that he's already on the line, sports scientist. Okay, let's get to the first conversation then as we build up to the Tokyo Games that get underway next month. And Professor Ross Tucker, sports scientist, joins us on the line just to discuss this uh, selection of Laurel Hubert in New Zealand's Olympic team. She is a weightlifter. The first, she'll be the first transgender athlete to compete at the Games. Prof, uh, good evening and thank you very much for being able to speak to us on SAFM tonight. Hey, Tobisa. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always good to chat. Thanks, Prof. It's, it's, it's being described as um, or being referred to as a controversial selection. Is it controversial or is the outcry justified, uh, Prof? What do you make of the outcry? Oh, it's, it's, uh, this is going to be for sure one of the most controversial stories of the Olympics. I mean, unless there's a massive flipping controversy, this will be the number one controversy in Tokyo because it speaks to so many social 
issues because we have we have transgender individuals who have rights. We also have women's athletes who have certain rights when it comes to sports, and the conflict between those two things is what makes this very controversial. So it's the first occasion that it's ever happened, uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, where a transgender athlete has been at the Olympic Games. Uh, most people who were following this for the last five or six years knew that eventually this would happen. And now that it's become real, I think many more people have started to pay attention. And because it speaks about things that society cares about, you know, identity, mm. rights, human rights, sporting rights, um, it makes people very emotional. And, and there's a lot of very unpleasant conversations and things that are had. And I, I, I think it's going to be quite bad in Tokyo, actually which is not fun, but it has to be done. So this is just the start then. But it's not against the rules, though, Prof, is it? Because the IOC changed its rules a couple of years ago to allow transgender, transgender athletes uh, to compete. But there are conditions. What are those conditions or those requirements? Yeah, so just on that, uh, it's, it's not against the rules. And so there are, two, there are two issues that will come up. One is Laurel Hubbard, which is unfortunate because people will talk about her and she will become the focal point. You know, she's in the spotlight and it'll become a debate about a person. And, and that's not helpful and it's also not fair when really the debate should be about those rules because that's, that's the problem. Now, mm-hmm. what, what sport has done is it said, all right, we recognize that these transgender individuals are biologically male. So they've, they've undergone development and maturation as kids and as young adults with testosterone, which is a male hormone. That, that creates a lot of performance advantages, and so it's not fair for men, males, to simply identify as women and then compete in women's sports. So what sport did is it created a set of rules which try to fix, quote-unquote, <laughs> the problem by saying that if you can lower your testosterone level for a period of 12 months, then you will be eligible to compete in women's sports. So as it stands, as I talk to you now, the IOC's law or rule is that if a biological male is transgender woman, lowers their testosterone below a target of 10, that's the, the level, then they are able to compete in women's sports. That's the issue. Okay. And, and just to put it into perspective, I know I'm making a, an, another example, but is that similar to what is required from Casta to lower her testosterone levels? I know she's not a transgender athlete, but they have said that if she wants to compete in those races, she must also lower her testosterone levels. Yeah, it's very similar. And it, it, has, it has a number of important similarities, but also, as you point out, differences. The, the, the one small difference is that the, the target for her, the testosterone level must be five or less. And for trans athletes, it's 10. That's, that's a clumsy system. There's no reason why those numbers should be different. But the principle is the same, is that the authorities have recognized that having these high levels of testosterone by virtue of, in the case of trans athletes being biologically male or castosomania having a DSD, creates potential performance advantages. And so to correct those, to take those advantages away, we're going to ask you to lower your testosterone levels. Now, the question, I suppose, is does it work? That's really the fundamental issue is can you lower the testosterone and take away male sporting advantages? That's, that's the key. Does it, does it work, Prof, or do we still need more evidence to prove that it works? Or is there enough evidence to prove that it works? There's All the evidence that exists right now suggests that it doesn't work. In other words, it does not take away the advantage. So, for instance, if you just take a step back, 
If we compare the best males to the best females at the Olympics in your local high school, at your local running club in South Africa, wherever, males are about 10 to 15% faster at cycling, swimming, running. Their power output is about 30% higher. Their strength, especially upper body, is between 30 and 60% higher than females. These are the differences that are created by testosterone. Now, what the studies have done, and there are 13 of them published so far, is they have lowered the testosterone level in trans women, and they measure how much strength and muscle mass and body fat and bone changes. And the short answer is that it doesn't change much at all. So where, for instance, the initial difference between males and females is between 30 and 50% for strength, lowering the testosterone removes about 5 to 10%. The consequence of that is that a significant part of the strength advantage is retained even after testosterone suppression. And that's why people are saying that it's not fair for Laurel Hubbard and other trans women to compete against women because they've had advantages that can never be taken away from them because of their biological development as males. Mm. And and the fact that some people have made the argument, the fact that they've gone through puberty already and there's increased bone and muscle density. So so basically that the body is still biologically male, even though you lower the testosterone levels. Exactly. So once the, the, the summary is that once testosterone has done its job in the body, it creates differences that can only be partially undone. Now, there are some. So, so for instance, one of the things that testosterone does in males is it elevates the, the levels of a molecule called hemoglobin, which is, is what carries oxygen in our bloods. When you lower the testosterone levels of a person, that hemoglobin level drops quite quickly, and it drops to basically the female level. So for hemoglobin, you can take the advantage away. But for things like the size of the muscles, the strength of the muscles, the skeleton, the body fat percentage, the heart, the lungs, these things don't change. And so, so yes, the, the, the advantages that are created cannot be reversed. And that's why it would be unfair for trans women to compete in women's sport. Okay, for those who are just joining our conversation, we are finding out from Professor Ross Tarka about um, the story. Well, Laurel Hubert is the one example that we're making now because she's become the first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympic Games. She's been selected by New Zealand as a weightlifter. She's competed in the main cut in, in men's weightlifting before she transitioned into um, into a woman, basically. So, and Dr. Uh, Professor Rostaka says it's going to blow up as we get closer to Tokyo. It's already blowing up. I've seen there have been petitions, but let's take a break. We'll continue after this. This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Okay, before we continue, Prof, I believe there are a couple of voice notes. People want to weigh in. Let's go to those, Timmy. Hi, Tabiso. It's Philippe Neverton. I think if New Zealand or the Olympic allow that trans transgender guy to compete against women, then our customer must be must also be allowed. Finish and clear. Thank you. Hi Tabisa. My issue with this transgender person um Castasomania now there's a testosterone issue there. How come it's not an issue with the Olympic Committee? They were fighting against Custis of um, um, Semenya, and now they allow this woman 
to compete in the Olympics. So isn't there a conflict there somewhere? Um, and it, it should be an, a massive issue. Gareth from Cape Town. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Gareth, and thanks to the first voice note also. Uh, Prof, maybe let's clarify the issue of Casta Semenya here when we compare it to the one of Laurel Hu, because I, I know that that comparison will be made now. Yeah, of course. I mean, South Africans have, have been through a decade of conversations about testosterone because of Semenya, so it's understandable. Just mm. to clarify, the IOC and World Athletics will say that the policy for Castosemania is the same as the policy for Hubbard. In other words, what they will say is that both those athletes have to lower their testosterone levels in order to compete. And so if Castosemania chose to do that, if she took the same medication that Lowell Hubbard would have taken and other trans women can take in order to reduce her testosterone levels, then she would also be able to go to Tokyo. She has chosen not to do that, which is her right. And it brings up the, the most important difference between the Castasemania situation and the Hubbard one is a medical, ethical, and legal one because Castasemania doesn't want to change how she identifies. She already identifies as a woman. She always has. And the sport is saying that she has to do something different in order to keep doing that, whereas Hubbard was a biological male, identified as a man, and then changed their gender identity. So that's that's quite an important difference. But the... But the policy is the same. So to both those voice notes, both those athletes, Semenya and Hubbard, have to lower their testosterone. And if they do that, they can compete. Mm. You did say earlier on, you did mention that it's a, it's, it's a sensitive one because it also brings human rights issues into play. How then do we find the balance, Prof, between human rights and fairness on the sporting field? Yeah, this is the key. And this is when it starts to get really difficult and there's a tension. The issue is, and I, I think most South Africans will understand this, is we know more than anyone maybe that sport can really serve a bigger purpose than just sport. We, we understand that it has a social and a societal impact. We've experienced that ourselves. And so I think it's good for sport to say that it wants to reflect a decent society. And a decent society respects the rights of transgender people to identify as they wish and to live the lives that they wish to do. So from a societal perspective, the idea of excluding someone because they're not a woman is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. They will say the trans women are women and they deserve every right that a woman has. The problem is that sport must be kept apart from that. And this is where it gets difficult for people. Because in sport, it's very important for men and women, males and females, to compete separately. If they didn't, there'd be no woman in sport. Because the, the physiological, the biological differences between males and females are so large that the best females are way behind the best males. That's, that's just reality, you know. Shelley Ann Fraser-Price and Elaine Thompson are 10, 15 meters behind Usain Bolt in a race. And that's, if, if we didn't protect a woman's category, they would disappear from elite sports. So when it comes to sports, the rights of a trans person to identify as a woman starts to compete or collide with the rights of a biological female to have a fair and a safe place to do sport. Does that make sense? And so, yes. so you basically end up with a colliding rights issue and you, you can't make both sides happy. So those people who are arguing in support of trans individuals are saying that trans individuals are discriminated against, they're a vulnerable community and they should be allowed to compete. 
And, and I think they're applying a social norm to a sporting context where I just don't think it fits. And that's what makes this so difficult. Yes, and we also saw recently at the World Relay Athletics, the 4x4 mixed relays there, you could see the difference between the, the female athletes and the male athletes. I mean, there was a video that was doing the rounds on social media where Poland um, had a woman in the last leg and they were leading the whole way, but the men just caught up with her because she was up against seven men and they were just too strong for her and she ended up finishing near last in, in that race. But now... Exactly, yeah. Yes, and, 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 and Prof now... Some who are against allowing transgender athletes um, to compete in the female category are saying that it's not it's not fair on the females and we need to protect the female category. Is that understandable? Yes, that that for me. And and, and remember, I'm coming at this as a physiologist, a scientist. And so um, when I look at sports, I see physiology and biology. And and my take is that male and female sport and specifically female sport does not exist because of identities. Sport is not about how we identify. It's about biology and it's about physiology. And, and that's why I agree with people who are saying that this is not fair. What about those who are saying you might as well change the male category to open category then and allow transgender athletes to take part? Well, that has been raised. Um, I know from doing some consulting work with, with rugby on their trans policy that the transgender community doesn't want that. They, they want to compete in the women's category. So if you change the name of men's sports to open and you said that everyone could compete there, they would say, well, we still want to compete in the women's category. So you, you, you end up actually in the same place. It's really just a name change and it doesn't achieve much that's different because as it stands, the men's category is the open category. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really just a name change that is rejected. It, it sounds good, but practically it, it just won't for now get over the line. Yeah. And I saw an interesting case a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago in, in Florida, in the U.S., they are banning transgender athletes from competing in schools or competing at college. They say that their law states clearly that um, you must you, you must compete in a category that is the same biological sex as your birth certificate. And they're completely against it, against transgender athletes. What do you make of that? Yeah, there's a few states. I, I think I've lost track of the number, but it's between mm. about 16 and 20 now that have got these regulations in place. Um, and World Rugby, actually, part of the work I did was we, we said the same thing, is the transgender woman must compete in the category of their biology. So, again, I, I think that that's correct. Um, it's obviously controversial. It's interesting that five years ago, nobody was saying that, and now you've got a lot of people saying it. And I think it's, uh, it, it indicates how much bigger a problem this has become just in the last three or four, more year, three or four years. And moving into the future like it's not going to go away it's only going to get more you know i i believe that by the next olympics in 2024 there could be five to ten athletes like hubbard if the if the laws and the rules aren't changed so this this issue is growing and what's happening in the u.s is an example of how people are trying to address it do we need to change the laws or the rules prof or do we still need more evidence to back to back these rules I think we should change the rules. I, I think the rules should never have been created in the first place. You know, I think if you, if you start from the position of saying that there's a good reason why female sport must be separate from male sport, and I think most reasonable people will understand that it is important for women to have a space in sport that is their own for biological reasons, not identity, biology. If you start with that position, then 
the only way you can ever allow a male into women's sport, biological male into women's sport, is if there's a lot of evidence that there's no advantage. So in other words, it's like the burden of proof has to be on the biological male, the trans woman, to show that they don't have an advantage. And that definitely doesn't exist. What I've said to you earlier is that there's a lot of evidence that shows that there is an advantage. And so I think on both those fronts, there's enough already to change the rule backwards and to say that this, this female sports category has to be protected. If, if we are serious about women's sports, we have to have a category for biological females and we have to exclude people who do not fit the biological female criteria. That's a simple version here. Okay. Let me take the last voice note before we wrap up our conversation with Professor Rostaka. Hello, Radio South Africa presenter. You know, sometimes I question myself why worldly people can intercept what God has made originally. Who are these people who can say whatever is secreted within your body as a hormone that boosts you in a certain talent should be reduced in order to participate to get the money of the world? You know, I think it's a shame. We must tell the truth because we South Africans sometimes we don't tell the truth. We always listen to Uncle Sam the way he's telling us. But when we tell them, they put sanctions on us. Okay, thanks for, for, for that voice note, basically saying that the um, athletes must be allowed to compete uh, the way that they were born, basically. What do you make of that, Prophet? Does it go back to what you were saying, that in sport there are categories for a reason? Yeah, from a biological perspective, that I agree. That's mm. my position. I, I would encourage people to, to separate sport from society when it comes to this issue mm. and to be decent and civil and respectful of people's choices. I think... I think that there are many instances, and in most other areas, people have rights irrespective of how they identify, and we have to respect that, and we have to be civil and decent and kind about people. But that doesn't mean we have to necessarily allow them to compete in sports. So I would, I would encourage all the listeners to, to understand that, that just because society accepts it doesn't mean sport does, and because sport doesn't doesn't mean we have to become intolerant in society. It's tricky, but I think we can hold both those thoughts at the same time. And if I say maybe that's why we have age groups in sport, for example, if you're 16, you can't take part in an under-12 age group. Is that a, is that a correct comparison? It's exactly the same thing, because you, you've got to ask again. That's a really good point. Um, I should have made it. Uh, if... Why do, we have a, why do we have a category for children? Why do we have a category for an under-20 football World Cup and adults? It's because there are biological, bold, underlined word, biological reasons that adults have advantages compared to kids, that 16-year-olds have advantages compared to 12-year-olds. Another example, heavyweight boxers have advantages mm. compared to lightweight boxers. So categories in sport, whether it's weight, whether it's age, whether it's sex, are important for fairness and they create meaning in sport. And if you have a category, you have to protect it. And that's what this boils down to is how do we protect female sports the same as we protect junior sports and lightweight boxing. Okay, Prof, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for the insight. We're going to follow this case. Like you're saying, it's probably going to blow up as we get closer and closer to the Olympic Games. But uh, always a pleasure talking to you, Professor Rostaka. Thanks so much to be so. Go well.
Thank you. Yeah, interesting, sensitive conversation, interesting conversation. But we have to talk about uh, these matters now because of the world that we are living in. So hopefully we've learned something today and we've learned how to differentiate between the biological differences and also the the fact that in sport there are categories. It's got nothing to do with the human side or the human element of it. And uh, yeah, guys, let's respect if, I mean, somebody wants to transition and become transgender athlete. I mean, I think we have to respect that. We can't be calling them names and all sorts of things. But when it comes to sporting fairness, then that's where I think the question is.